Um, Brother Wayne is out of town, so I get to do Happy Club today, and Mason has something in the Happy Club bag. Let's see what she's got. Can you take it out for me? (coughs) See yourself in the zoo. Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens. Why did you bring this, Mason? Because I like the zoo. Did you just go to the zoo? You didn't, but you like to go to the zoo? Have you been to a zoo before? Uh, well, I have too, and I also just went and uh, saw the movie. Um, we bought the zoo. Has anybody seen that? It's, it, it's pretty good. Um, and, you know, when you go to the zoo, what's your favorite thing that you saw, Mason? Birds. The birds. All right. Do I dare ask, what is your favorite thing, um, David? Birds. Birds. Okay, we're on a bird thing. All right, what about you, Keaton? Snakes. Snakes. Crocodile. Alligators. Alligators. We're seeing a little different theme with some of these boys, aren't we? Well, um, boys and girls, when I, when I go to the zoo and I see all the different... Um, we need to talk to the rake straw parents. David has never been to the zoo. We'll get you there, David. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when you do go to the zoo, you see all the different things that God created from all those different birds, every color, size you can imagine. Some of them talk. Some of them just whistle. And they're so beautiful. And you see all the different animals in God's creation. And we know that we have an awesome, powerful, mighty God who can create all those different things and all those different animals. And do you know, David, that God's got a plan for each one of them and that they play a role in how the animal kingdom works and survives just like he has a plan for you and mason is showing y'all the layout of this zoo and there's all kind of different things to go and see when you go to the zoo just like our world has all kind of different things that are being going to be happening to you in your life but he has a plan for you and you were created in his image um and we're we're going to uh mason thank you for for bringing that today and reminding us how awesome and powerful our God is and how cool it is to think about all the things that he created, but most of all, that he created you and that we have dominion over those animals and over, over, over the earth that he placed us in authority. And we just thank you for sharing with us what you, what you enjoy, and that's going to the zoo. So boys and girls, let's uh, bow in prayer, and you can uh, repeat after me, okay? Dear God, we thank you for the Bible and that it tells us that we were created in your image and that you have a plan for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Good job. I'm I'm so glad you shared that with us today. All right. um, It is a boy's turn, and I'm going to let Chad Barlow, if you'll take the Happy Club bag, and will you bring it back next week for Miss Sabina? 
Okay, no live, what was it, alligators? No live alligators in that bag for Brother Wayne, okay? All right, let's go to Children's Church, boys and girls.
heaven bound I'm just a pilgrim in search of a Psalm 104 begins with some self-talk. It says, my soul, praise the Lord. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves we're going to praise God, don't we? And then it turns directly to God, and it says, Lord, my God, you are very great. Please stand as we sing, praise to the Lord, the Almighty.
pray together. Lord Jesus, if we sang this morning, we were reminded of your love, your mercy, and your grace, but also that you're our maker, you're our defender, and that you're our redeemer. Lord, we know all this because we come here and we worship. But Lord, we're so thankful that we have a church that we can worship in as we start this new year. We're so glad for the talent that you give us, the talent in teachers, the talent in singers, the talent in musicians. Lord, we're so thankful for our staff. Lord, we also are taught that this can't happen without us, without our volunteer to be one of those. We also know, Lord, that it can't happen unless we give back a portion of what you give us. Father, we pray as we do that today that you will graciously bless this gift and bless this church as you've done so for so many years. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us and all you give us. Amen.
Thank you, choir. What a blessing. And we have to use the gifts and talents that, that God has given us. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and, and open to the 10th chapter of the book of Luke, to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to focus in on verses 25 through 29. Follow with me as as I read from, from God's Word. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. It's kind of humorous, isn't it? I think you're going to give Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a test. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning we have come here to worship you. And that act of worship is is giving to you our heartfelt praise and adoration. It's giving you our undivided attention. It's welcoming your presence. It's listening to you. It's surrendering. Even before we know where it's leading, it's surrendering to you every road of our life, trusting in you and your goodness. Lord, we invite you now to speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A lot of us uh, like to, to ask questions. I know I do. I can uh, distinctly, you know, remember when I was a teenager and uh, I was growing up. Uh, at that time, I was in the Vineville Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. And just one day sitting in the service or sitting in Sunday school, it, it suddenly dawned on me. I said, everything we do at our church, every activity. Everything we do, everything we do individually as Christians, all comes down to this book, the Bible. And I was 17 years old, and 
And at age 17, I, I had a question. I said, how do I know that this book is true? How do I know that I can put my confidence in God's Word? Well, somebody in the church heard my question. They listened to me, the, the, the sincere question. And they brought me a little book. Actually, it's a pretty thick little book. But anyway, the book was called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It answered the questions I had and, and more. And it's interesting. Uh, have you ever been in a class? How many of y'all have ever been to school? Raise your hand if you've ever been to school. Okay, we've all been to school. Good. That's a good sign. Have you ever been in a class in school and there's one person in that class who feels it's their personal duty to try to trick the teacher? You know, they try to come up with a question the teacher can't answer or, or they try to, you know, I don't know. They try to sabotage the lecture because they didn't study or something. I don't know. Whatever. They're, do, they're doing something, you know. And uh, so they're, they're asking these, these questions. Well, that's what, what happens here in this passage of Scripture. Somebody who, who thinks they have got it all figured out, you know, they're an authority on, on God and, and the Bible, they, they come to Jesus. And uh, they ask him, you know, a question. Teacher, what do I have to do to, to go to heaven? That's a good question. If it was a sincere question, it would even be a better question. But it says here he's asking, he's testing, he's, he's trying to trick Jesus. He's trying to play gotcha. Now we all raise questions. We all um, ask, you know, who is God? Who is Jesus? What does God really require of me? Sometimes we ask like this gentleman, who is my neighbor? Or what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? But Jesus, by affirmation, makes it clear that what we're to do is, is very simple. The scripture says here that we are to love God. We are to love God with everything that we are. We are to love God with everything that we are. Physically, emotionally, intellectually, whatever. We're loving with all our being. And then we're to love and care for our neighbors. We're to give ourselves to them in love and concern. That's pretty clear. The command that God has given us to love. And you know, we all have great intentions, especially at the beginning of this new year, don't we? We've all got some great intentions. But we don't have the resources within ourselves to love like Jesus is commanding. And we quickly feel that. Actually, very easily, all of us are overwhelmed. The needs that cross our path in any given week. Maybe it's needs expressed towards us by our family members or needs expressed by people in the community or needs in the church. Um, Obviously, when we just watch the news, we see incredible needs throughout the world. And, and very quickly, our resources feel like they're maxed out. Our resources of love, our resources of compassion and money, 
We just can't do it. We want to. We desire to. We see the need. There's an internal struggle. We're painfully aware of the need, but we're also painfully aware that every one of us gathered here today have limited resources. So when we think about this command from Jesus Christ to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourself, we quickly realize we can't do it. Well, let's look at the scripture again. Flip back just a couple of chapters to chapter 7. Let's look at Luke chapter 7. We know Jesus Jesus is not going to command us to do something that's absolutely impossible. But he will command us to do something we can't do in our own strength. Let's look at at chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Now this is a, um, a long passage of scripture. So I need you to kind of hang with me here, okay? Because this is, this is painting the picture of the power to love. So hang with me. If you've got your copy of God's Word, open it and, and uh, keep you alert. If a key word hits you as, you as we read through here, circle it, underline it, make a note. Let's start with verse 36, reading together. It says, Now, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he, and he reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. You know what I wrote in my Bible right there? What I wrote is, I circled he would know and I wrote, he did know. That's just how I do Bible study. But anyway, we'll keep on going. If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon do you see this woman I came into your house you did not give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair 
You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. The power to love. Now I grew up going to to church every Sunday. I grew up just 45 miles away from here, First Baptist Church, Albany, Georgia. But when I look at this scripture, what I see is this. That the power to love doesn't come from attending a Bible study. The power to love doesn't come like as a trophy or a certificate that I earned because of a project that I've worked on. When I, when I read that text, the Holy Spirit says to me that the power to love actually comes to me. The power to love visits me. The power to love actually pursues me. The power to love, like Jesus commands, only comes from Jesus Christ himself. And what I see in this text is that Jesus Christ truly loves us. Just like he loved Simon. Just as he loved this woman who washed his feet. But you and I, we have the same problem that they have. Their problem was that even though Jesus loved them, and even though Jesus was drawing near to them, their sins separated them from him. And the big difference was this. This woman described in this scripture, she knew her sins separated her from God, from Jesus. Simon didn't even know he had any sins. He wasn't even aware that there were sins that were separating him from God. He wasn't even aware of it. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are a lot of things you and I would be wise to never pretend to know. You and I would be wise, for example, not to pretend if this morning our electricity shot off, just went out. We would be wise not to pretend that we know how to replace the transformer that's on the main power pole out there. I would not recommend that you go out there with your bare hands and start grabbing those wires, climb that pole and start, oh, I can fix this. I don't think, I don't think there's any danger that anybody in here would try to do that, do you? 
I don't think we'd, we'd even think about pretending that we know how to fix that. I don't think we would pretend this morning if, if they needed to uh, replace the uranium rods at a nuclear power plant. I don't think any of us would say, oh, I can take care of that. Let me just go get my bare hands, grab those things and slide them in, whatever. I don't think we'd be in danger of that. Probably if somebody in our church needed open heart surgery, probably you wouldn't be in danger of saying, well, I could do that even if you had slept at a Holiday Inn Express. I don't think you would be in danger of pretending that. But when people like you and I, when people like us, who've grown up, I mean, I, I went to Sunday school and church every week. When we've grown up attending church regularly, like Simon, we often, we cannot see our own sins, which so desperately need to be forgiven. Each one of us, we've done so much to offend a loving and holy God, and we're not even aware of it. Matter of fact, just like Simon, we cannot even imagine that we have any sins that really need to be forgiven. You know, you don't, you don't need me this morning to give you a, a laundry list of sins. See, just as you know the things that you have done to, to hurt your spouse, I mean, I mean, I don't need to talk this morning about, oh, the things that men do to hurt their wives or the things that women do to hurt their husbands. I don't, you know, I don't need to do that. We all know what we've done to hurt our spouse. And if you'll pause for just a moment, you know the things you've done that have wounded the heart of God. Matter of fact, each one of us has committed so many sins against God and other people that we would literally drown. We would drown in them. If Jesus left us just attempting to swim and tread water in them, But you know what Jesus said to the woman? Listen, nobody else believed this. You do realize that. Jesus made a statement and nobody in the world believed it. What was the statement? Do you remember? He said to that woman, what? Your sins are forgiven. Did the synagogue think that was true? Did the people there at that dinner table think that was true? Did the disciples think that was true? No. Jesus believed it was true. He's God. He said it. It's true. The woman, by faith, received it. It's true. Nobody else. Brothers and sisters, we must personally experience his love and forgiveness personally if we're ever to have the power to love God and others. And you know when you've experienced it. It's not a mystery. 
Years ago when I was in college, I did one of the stupidest things I've ever done. I had a date planned with Nancy. Same weekend, I had an event I was responsible for planning. And I took care of the event, but then I felt like I was responsible for the social time after the event. Since, you know, all the people had come for the event, and now there's a social time, I felt like I was responsible. So I end up, you know, going to the event. And the date I was supposed to have at whatever time, six or seven or whatever, two hours or three hours later, I show up. I do not highly recommend that at all. Do not do that. Based on that, I thought, you know, she's going to break up with me. It's over. But I had one last ditch effort. Gary wasn't around, Gary Akins at that time. I didn't know him, but I went and I got a guitar. And I took this guitar over to her dorm. And, you know, I knocked on the door, and, of course, she wasn't going to answer the door, you know. So I just sat down in the hallway in front of her door, and I started playing this guitar and singing out loud to her. Now, it was not the singing or anything like that. You know, I'm just sure, I'm sure the reason she opened that door was she was in in being embarrassed because other people could probably hear it, the people next door and others. And she was thinking, I don't want, you know, that's probably what the motivation for initially opening the door. And I, if I recall, which I, my memory is not as good as it used to be, I gave her a, a cartoon, okay? I quickly made on some little cards. And this cartoon had like this beautiful girl and then this guy meets the girl And then while they're talking, the guy reaches from behind his back and throws a brick and hits her right in the face. And basically, what I was confessing is that's what I had done to her. Now, what I'm getting at is this. You know if you're forgiven or not. Obviously, she forgave You know if you're forgiven or not. Matter of fact, you've got some relationships just right now. You know you're not forgiven, right? Because you can tell how the person reacts to you. You know when you're forgiven. This woman knew she had been forgiven by God. Simon hadn't experienced that. Listen, brothers and sisters, the power to love the power for our church, the church built on love, the power is us continually experiencing the forgiveness of our sins, the grace of God in our life, moment by moment, day by day, rejoicing in that reality. That's the power to love others. That's where the power comes to fulfill the command. We see this in this closing verse of Scripture here. Look. In John 21. John 21, verses 15 through 17. Look at what that says. Most of you are familiar. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is after 
Peter's denial that he even knew Jesus. And now, at this resurrection appearance of our Lord, he's talking to Peter. And the title in my Bible, I don't know what it says in yours because they have different headings, but it says Jesus reinstates Peter, which means, you know, expresses this forgiveness to Peter. And look at this, look at this verse, verse 15. He says, when they had finished eating together, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Peter had earlier said, Lord, if, if everybody leaves you, I'm going to stay. You know, I love you more than anybody. Don't, you know. So Jesus asked him, do you truly love me more than all these people who, who claim to love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus said, notice this, at the, at the end of him confessing his love, Jesus gave him a command. Feed my lambs. You love me? Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered me, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you notice in this text that not one time did Jesus ask Peter, Peter, do you love sheep? He said, what? Do you love me? Do you love me? What does love do, according to this text? A person who experienced the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Like in this passage of Scripture, Peter is experiencing a person who experiences the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ responds to Jesus personally. Responds to Jesus Christ personally. And the personal response is simply this. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That's the response. And after that personal response, we also see that love takes action. Love gives. Love feeds. Love provides for the sheep or for the lambs of Jesus. Providing, caring, nurturing the lambs of Jesus means we'll be led to pray. We'll pray for the lost. We'll pray for those who are believers. We'll pray for missions. Love will lead us to give, to give, to give for those who are hungry, to give for those who are thirsty, to give those who are needy, to give so that missionaries can be on the field sharing the gospel. We'll give. 
Love will lead us not only to pray and to give, but it'll, it'll lead us to go. We'll go. We'll go and give away our lives. We'll go and give away the, the love of Jesus Christ. Because love trumps everything. Love trumps competition between me and others. If we kept on reading in that text, we can see that Peter still was like wondering, well, what about John? Because John was right there. What's going to happen to him? I'm kind of in competition with John. You know, I'm kind of the head disciple and he's number two. Or, or is he number one and I'm number two? You know, there's kind of this little competition going on. Love trumps competition between me and others. And instead of me worrying about God's plan for others, you know, I wonder what old God's plan is for, for Jim Donovan. And I, and I wonder if, he, if God's plan for Jim Donovan is better than he's got for me. And man, I, 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 matter of fact, you know, I, I might have a bone to pick with Jesus if, if, if God's got a better plan for Jim than me. And what does Jesus say? You got your head screwed on wrong, son. He said, you just confessed your love for me. Don't worry about Jim. You follow me. You follow me. It trumps competition. Instead of worrying about God's plan for others, I simply commit to following Jesus. Now what's amazing to me is that God has called us to international missions. And what amazes me is how many people, I don't if you look at the back of our prayer list that we put out on Wednesday night, it's amazing to me how many people God has called either out of our church or people who are connected to our church or family members of our church. It's amazing to me how many people God has called to go all over the world, whether it's Wales or Mozambique or Africa or Italy or Beirut, Lebanon or the Pacific Rim, wherever that is. to Botswana, to Pakistan, to Haiti. God has called people either affiliated with us or out of our own church all over the world. You know, Brother Jim was sharing this morning about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's our opportunity to give to meet their basic needs, just to keep them on the field. So they can be sharing Jesus. So they can be building churches. And, and we know the needs are great. That's what I was just talking about at the beginning of this. We know the command to love and the needs are great and, and we're maxed out. It's more than we could ever do. I mean, we, we could probably use 10 times the number of missionaries overseas that we have. We only got so much money. We can only do so much. But the needs are not only great and overwhelming overseas, the, the, the needs are great and overwhelming right here in our own community as well. We think about the, the boys and girls in our community who need food or who need clothing, or, or we think about the, the boys and girls, teenagers in our community who need education. We think about those who are, who are, who are stellar students. I mean, they're, they're great athletes or whatever. They're, they're great kids, but... They don't know Jesus. Some don't know Christ. In a community like ours with, say, 40,000 in our greater community, probably half, 20,000 people around us without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, that's why the little 
little things in your flyer, in your bulletin today about faith. We're inviting you, inviting you to have a team from your Sunday school class. Come, be a part. Feed the sheep. Take the gospel beyond these walls to people. Oh, I wish they would come. I wish they would come. But I just don't believe that half the people in Tifton, 20,000, are going to come. So we have to go. We've got to talk to them. And some people are getting older. I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I'm just, just the seriousness of this. This year is the first time that there's been two people that I've been trying to cultivate in terms of their relationship with Christ, and, and they died before I know whether they trusted Christ or not. And you may have had that experience with many people, but it's kind of sobering. It's like there's a limited amount of time. But Lord, I don't have much money to give to missions, and Lord, I don't have time or interest in reaching out for a Sunday school class. Jesus says, you know, I didn't ask you that. Jesus said, I asked you, do you love me? Do you? Do you love me? In a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And the invitation this morning for you might be, there's some Lottie Moon Christmas offering envelopes down here at the altar. If the Lord lays it on your heart, you might need to come and get one of those. At the altar today, there are some flyers about faith, evangelism, about what, what, what it's more about. And, and this morning, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you, and you may need to take that, read that, and pray about being involved in faith. Or this morning, during the invitation time, you might need to, as a brother shared with me this morning as he was leaving the early service, he shared that there was a day in his life, though he had gone to church for years, but there was a day in his life when, when he took out a check, metaphorically, the check of forgiveness and God's grace and salvation. Instead of just looking at that check and thinking about that check, on that day... He signed that check. He endorsed that check. He believed God personally himself and accepted the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. So maybe today, even though you've been around church for years, today may be the day you need to say, Lord Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you paid for my sin. And I'm writing my name down there, believing that you'll forgive me and accept me. And if that's a decision you would make today, you come forward too with others. Share that decision. We'll rejoice. We'll rejoice with you. You may feel led to join our church. You may feel led to, to make a public decision to be baptized. There could be all kinds of spiritual decisions that God's speaking to your heart. Let's pray and then let's respond to Him. Lord Jesus... Every one of us has done a lot of things in our lives out of embarrassment, 
Lord, we've done a lot of things in our lives out of guilt. Lord, there have been a lot of things I've done in my life out of competition. But Lord, you desire more than anything in the world that my motivation for all I do, but especially missions, would simply be love for you. Lord, the needs are are just overwhelming. But Lord, you allow us to feel that so that we'll, we'll go to our knees. We'll call out to you. Lord, you're a great God. We just invite you now to to move in our midst. Some of us in this room may need to be washed whiter than snow today. Some may need to receive the gift of eternal life. Some may need to hear those words from you personally. Your sins are forgiven. Father, all of us need to hear that again and afresh. So, Lord, you speak now as we sing this closing song of of worship and decision. You speak to our hearts and we'll respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Turn to hymn number.